Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of What in the Wellness. As always, I love to hear your feedback, suggestions for new topics, questions that you would like answered, maybe even a guest that you would like to have on, or maybe you'd like to be the guest yourself. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach me by email or message. Uh, You guys know where to do that. Now, let's get started for today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of What in the Wellness. I am your host, Ansley Knopf, and returning for part B of our conversation from last week, we have Jillian Bennett, and we're going to pick up right where we left off, um, talking about self-compassion and how to really connect with your identity and your values and how that plays a huge role in all of the changes that you want to make in your life, not just nutrition and fitness ones, but especially those because that's what we do. But I also want to make sure we touch on because of her really huge enthusiasm in just psychology and change psychology and how we do, how we just do life and what makes us tick as humans in our brains, the connection between psychology and what our body does physiologically and between those two things back and forth, because I think there's a huge piece there that we're starting to talk about more and more and it's becoming more prevalent in these conversations um but our mind is really powerful like we say mindset is everything but we say it like a little pinterest quote that we put on our wall and then we don't really we don't really dive into that too too much unless we're in psychology we tend to separate the mind and the body a lot but that's probably the one of the greatest things that we do to our detriment is separating those two things, even talking about like nutrition, psychology, sports psychology, like we segment it so much, but really anytime we create a change that should be for our growth, right? Like there's a whole process that goes on in the brain and then working to create a habit and then working to create a new system of behaviors. Let's start there and then just like roll right into the things that we see on the internet, how we start creating change are there things that we should remove from our lives when we're trying to create change? All those things. Cause I love talking about the brain. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. I know we kind of just ended in, we ended in part one, talking a little bit about James Clear, who is like one of my favorite people. Um, and I actually, so I am a giant James Clear fan and I'm actually reading BJ Fogg's tiny habits right now Ooh, um, to try to get like a couple different perspectives. Um, and, and then I've been, I I've been digging a lot more into psychology. I'm trying to remember there was a book that I was reading recently that was talking about like the way that we create, um, the way that we create new habits, right. And how that, what that looks like in the brain and the way that they described it as like, when you are looking at like a field of, um, like a field of flowers or something, and it's all sort of, you know, you might see that there's a path through that field and it's like a very well-worn path. Right. And that's what it looks like when you have a really ingrained habit. Like that's what it looks like is like, it's a path that's easy to go down. And so when we're trying to create a new habit, you're essentially having to hack down the flowers and create an entirely new path. And like, it's no wonder why we struggle to do that. Right. But what we you know, I know we touched on this in, in part one is like changing our identity to fit in with what we actually want to achieve makes things so much easier. And this is just so simple. I work with my clients a lot on this is changing your language mm-hmm. because language is, how, you know, part of how we form our thoughts. It's where we form our actions. We have essentially a feedback loop that goes on in our brain that is like actions, thoughts, emotions. And it's just like the circle of like actions, thoughts, emotions, actions, thoughts, emotions. And we see a lot, especially with, you know, when we're talking about nutrition, 
we talk about emotional eating, right? Well, it's like all eating in a certain sense is, is emotional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when people tell you like food is just fuel, like go, no, I'm sorry, that doesn't fly with me. Food is not just fuel. Um, food is culture, food is love, food is emotion, food is relationships. Like think about when, you know, when you first started dating your husband or when you first started dating, you know, going out with your partner or when you first met a friend, you know, you like met them for coffee, you shared a a piece of cake with them, you went out to dinner. Um, You know, this is, this is how we, we build relationships. And so to, to say that food is just fuel, I think is like very much kind of debasing what, food really means in our, in our lives. And yes, there are some people that really don't eat in an emotional way. Like they essentially, I call them, um, they're live to eat people and eat to live. And we all kind of lie, fall upon a spectrum, right? There's people that are just like, you know what, if I didn't have to eat, I wouldn't do it. But that doesn't mean that they necessarily would opt out of social engagements that are built around food, but they're focusing more on the social part rather than the food part. And then we have people that are totally on the other side of the spectrum that are people that maybe go to these social engagements and are so consumed by thoughts of the food that they don't necessarily enjoy the social part as much. And so we don't necessarily want to be either one, right? Because it, you know, imagine going out with someone that doesn't care about food at all. And you're going to a really nice restaurant trying to share this amazing meal with them. And they just don't care. Mm, yeah. And so they're like, I don't care about that. It doesn't matter. To yeah. Me. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm not excited. Like for me, I would never be able to date someone that's not excited about like trying new restaurants. Like that's important to me. Right. Yes. And, and so, yeah, I, I think that it's important to recognize that, that food does have emotion behind it. And so going back to this feedback loop, right. And so we've got this kind of feedback loop of thoughts, action, emotions, and where a lot of that can be changed is through our language. And so the way that we speak, not just out loud, but the way that we speak to ourselves in our head, which is essentially our thoughts, is really, really important. And so I'll give you an example. I had a client today who uh, we actually had a really great conversation yesterday about emotional eating. And she has just recently had a change in schedule. And she mentioned, she's like, well, I understand now more about what my portion sizes should look like when I'm eating a meal. But what about when I notice that I want to eat and I'm not hungry? And I said, well, first of all, I'm, I love that you've recognized that you're not, you're not physically hungry at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is an amazing question because I think you know the answer, but the real question is you want to know, you know, how do I avoid it, right? Or how do I stop giving into this thought? How do I stop letting the action follow the feeling? And how do I change this feedback loop? And, and I asked her, I was like, well, can you start taking note of how you feel and what, what situation you're in when you notice that this urge comes on? And she responded, I'll try. And I wrote back, I was like, well, is there anything that would stop you from being able to achieve that? Is there anything that would stop you from being able to take note of that? And she was like, no. And I was like, okay, so then I'm curious why you chose to tell me I'll try rather than I'll do it. And she was like, well, I don't know. And so I, I, I shared with her, I was like, well, when you say you'll try, that gives that leaves it open to not happening, right? That mm-hmm. means that we're not fully committed to making something a habit or that we're not fully committed to making something happen. And so it gives you this mental out, right? Oh, well, I tried. But, and, and I think that that's very valid. Like if somebody says like, go climb, you know, go climb Mount Everest. Okay, I'll try. Like, cool. But if somebody's saying like, hey, you know, make a note every time, you know, X happens, like that's something that you're 100% capable of achieving. So let's change our mindset through our language 
and actually decide that we're able to achieve it. But we also need to remember that it's important for us as practitioners, and I know, Ansley, you do this as well, it's like making sure that the client is actually able to achieve something. Mm -hmm. So we could tell them like, hey, you know, I want you to make sure that you have vegetables in lunch and dinner and breakfast, make sure you get a serving of fruit in there. Cool. And make sure that you've got a lean protein in lunch, in breakfast, lunch and dinner. They're like, okay, cool, cool. Uh, and, And maybe we're like, cool. So are you ready to do that? Yeah, no, I can definitely do that. Okay. What do you feel like might stop you from doing that? Because this is, this is kind of a big thing, right? We're talking about if we're talking about three meals a day, seven days a week, that's 21 meals. Mm-hmm. What may stop you from doing that? There are a lot of things and we want to think about that stuff. We want to take that into consideration. And so this is where us as practitioners, it's important to help our clients navigate that language and navigate that feedback loop so that they can actually feel successful in the process. Mm-hmm. Because how crappy does it feel as a person to say like, oh, I'm gonna, totally going to do this thing. And then you fall flat right? It's not great. It's not great. I'll tell yeah. you that. <laughs> and, and it feels terrible, but this is often like, you know, I'm speaking from a practitioner side, but from an individual side, like how many times you say, okay, it's Monday. I'm going to eat so well this week. I'm going to be perfect this week. And then you get to Wednesday and you realize, oh my gosh, I forgot to pack my lunch or, oh my gosh, I'm starving. And it, and all I have near me is, you know, a Starbucks and, and they have these amazing cookies or whatever. And then you're like, well, I already messed it up. So I might as well order pizza for dinner. I'm like, oh, well, I screwed up yesterday. So I don't really want to go to the gym today. And then like, well, I didn't go to the gym today. So I'll just stop by Dunkin' Donuts on the way to work. And it's like, that, it, that's, that's not practicing self-compassion. That's not being realistic. And that's setting your expectations so high that it, it's no wonder that you're going to fail. Yeah. And so how can we use our language and our self-compassion to stop this from happening? So first off, when you are setting yourself up, and this is, you know, I'm talking to people that are trying to do this on their own, because obviously when you're working with a coach, a coach is going to help guide you through this. But I know like that's not, not everybody's ready to work with a coach. And so when you're doing this on your own, it's looking at, okay, what is the ideal? And then what is realistic, right? Similarly to like what we talked about in part one is like, what is, what are you aspiring to, but what is really realistic for you to aspire to? Mm -hmm. And this happens, I think, when we're talking about changing any type of habit is like, maybe you, you know, your ideal is like, I'm going to run five days this week. But then when you actually think about it, you're like, well, you know, on Monday and Wednesday, I can't because I have this, I have to go to work early. And so really, I can realistically run Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Great. Now that you're being realistic, you can make an actual plan. And you can say, I'm going to run Tuesday, Thursday, Friday at 630 a.m. I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. and I'm going to already have put my workout clothes or my running clothes out the night before so that I can actually do this. So that makes it so much easier when you wake up at six o'clock in the morning and your thoughts are telling you like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. It's cold. It's dark. But your action is so much easier because you've already put thought into it in the first place. And so then what happens? You do it and your feeling is of achievement. And so there we've got this feedback loop of like thought, thought, action, feeling, and you're able to achieve so much more. And you're also not stuck in this negative self-talk spiral of, well, I wanted to run five days, but I, you know, I only, I only did three, so I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I could keep going on, on this for 
so long because this is like essentially what I work with my clients on is finding, you know, I talk to them about how do we find what's realistic for you? Like, let's stop talking about what's yeah. ideal and let's look at what's realistic. Once we hit what's realistic, then we can continue to work towards the ideal. Which, I mean, we talked about this too in part one a little bit, and this is kind of, um, I think this is that next level thing. Uh, it's really difficult to do this type of introspection because we see so much on the internet of, you know, do this seven day, 30 day, 12, 12 week, whatever, maybe I think the longest I've seen is like a 12 week thing. And it's a start and it's a finish. And it's like, if you just do this, then all of your things will be accomplished and you'll, and you'll be here. Right. Um, so we think it's always about people ask me all, all the time, what's your program? What's your program? What's your program? And I'm like, it's not about the program. It's not about the pro the program is you, right? Like it's about you and what you need and who you are. And we talked about this in part one about your, what's realistic is deeply connected to your identity and your values, right? So your what's realistic for you isn't, you can't compare that. You can't sit there and say, well, this mom, on, and I hear this literally all of the time. Well, this mom on this internet, she had two kids and I have two kids and she got her abs back in like seven months. So I'm thinking that, you know, she kind of has like a similar build to me. And so I'm thinking that, you know, after her second, like, and it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it just rolls on. There's this person who did this, who seems pretty similar to me. And so I'm thinking it's realistic for me to do that too. And I'm like, mm-hmm. But let's dive into that a little bit. You know, yeah, like, I, I is that really realistic for you. <laughs> here, and here's the thing is that like, we know this, but we don't really like know it in our bones is that social media is a highlight reel, mm-hmm. right? And social media also tells you absolutely nothing about a person's real situation. Like you might be like, oh no, this person's so real on Instagram. Like they're so real on Instagram. Okay, here's an example. Like I don't on Instagram, like I'll occasionally like take a photo of a meal, like showing another person eating. Like maybe that seems like I have a boyfriend. I don't, I'm single as fuck, right? And so, or like I'll take pictures of like me and my dog going for hikes. But what you don't see is me sitting on my couch feeling like lonely because, you know, my friend canceled on me or whatever. Mm-hmm. but you do see this awesome photo of like, wow, Jillian goes on these great hikes with her dog. Like she, that's so cool. And it's, and so it's like, yes, I do share a lot of my life on there, but even though I do share a lot of my life on there, like you're not seeing the whole story. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one thing when we're looking at social media that we need to take an account. And some people might say like, yeah, but they just posted everything they ate in a day. It's like, you don't actually know that. <laughs> like, you're, like, I'm sorry, but you don't actually know that. Like they might tell you like, this is all I ate in a day, but like, you don't know that. And aside from that, you may see like taking the, what I ate in a day kind of post, you might see that and think like, oh, but you know, they seem like they're doing great. They're smiling in the video. And it's like, you have absolutely no idea what their hormones are doing. You have no idea what their energy levels are like. You have no idea what's going on inside their head. If they're mentally beating themselves up over every calorie they take in, you don't know if they're eating this meal as joyfully as they are in this video that they've posted. And so this is where it's a really slippery slope to start comparing yourselves. And, and if we were to implement like any type of mantra, it could just be like, what I see on social media is not real life. Right. And so what does that mean? Social media can be an incredible tool, an incredible tool. Like I am, I follow so many people that I'm like, wow, like, I'm so glad that you've given me insight. You shared, made me think about something in a different way, illuminated something that I didn't know about. 
And, but then on the other side is like, I also see, like I go on my explore page and I see girls like posting before and after pictures or like, you know, this was my seventh workout this week and, you know, like holding their shirts up and showing their abs. And, and I consider myself to be a pretty resilient person because I kind of know what all this shit's about, but that doesn't mean that I'm immune to it. That doesn't mean that, you know, for example, now that I'm not as lean as I used to be, that I don't look at these girls with ripped abs and be like, oh, wow, I wish that was me again. But here's the thing. And this is like, I'm going to get pretty real here is like, when I was that girl with the ripped abs that everybody saw on social media or in the gym and was like, damn, like, I want abs like that. Right. Mm -hmm. I also didn't have my period. My hair was starting to fall out. Like I was constantly thinking about food. I was like frantically measuring and weighing with a food scale, everything I ate. I was like, every time I would walk by a sign that had like Ben and Jerry. So here, a lot of the like little shops have like Ben and Jerry signs outside. And every time I would walk by, I would have this mental like struggle of like, do I buy Ben and Jerry's? Do I not? And I'm like, no, I can't do that because it's going to make me fat. Right. And this is like from the outside, you saw someone that like worked out all the time, you know, super active. And so this is just an example of you don't want everything you see on the internet, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so when it comes down to like a mom that's saying like, oh, this person seems similar to me. I think that I can achieve what they can achieve. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. I don't know. Yeah, we can't know that. And so it's like holding yourself to that external standard is only setting you up for a potential disaster because sure, maybe you will achieve that and maybe you won't. But if you don't, how are you going to feel about it? Right. And then taking that, right. And then I, I know you do this with your clients also. If someone brought that to you, I feel like you would say to them um, what, you know, exactly what you just said about talking. But sometimes people are very like insistent, you know, they're like, mm-hmm. it's, they did this, I can do this. I've looked this up. Um, and so it's not necessarily approachable in that, that way right away. So a lot of times we have to go at it from the question of what is it that you think that they have in their life? Or they're doing in their life that you want really because that's that's the question isn't it it's more than just what they look like well they did it so I get what is it that you're expecting to feel as that that mom that you look like like what do you think that they do what do you think that they feel what do you feel what do you feel like they're doing in that body that you feel like you need that body to do because I personally have shared my story a lot about prepping for a competition um, I, you know, I lost 20 something pounds. It was, it was a whole big thing. Um, if you want to know more about that, it's on social media. I posted about it and pretty much came to the conclusion, although it was necessary at the time to a certain degree to meet a weight class that I went, was going to compete in. I ended up just wrecking myself, um, mentally and physically because I was so worn out. I had no energy. I had no interest in anything. And, determined very quickly. I suffered a physical injury that left me out of that competition, but uh, everyone's like, oh, are you going to, are you going to stay? You know, you look awesome. You're this lean, you know, all the things um, people come, oh, you must lift. And I'm like, I must lift because I'm super lean. Like I lifted before also, but that's okay. Fine. That's another discussion for another day. Um, like the whole commenting on people's looks and body. Yeah. Um, but it didn't, I have already decided I, I probably will never try to cut down to that weight class again. Um, not because I can't and not because I don't believe in myself or feel like, you know, I had less value at that point, but 
I did not like myself. I didn't feel right. And it didn't align with anything else I wanted to do. I wanted to go out and enjoy food at restaurants with friends. I wanted to have, you know, the occasional cocktail or I teach classes at a brewery now, for goodness sake, like, you know, like good craft beers, like a part of my life. It's part of what I do to go seek out things. And that's real, like the realistic side of what goes along with trying to cut and be that lean and walk around that way all the time does not line up with who I want to be or anything else I wanted to do with my life. And I honestly thought at that point, sharing that story would help people be like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Let me connect with, um, you know, who I want to be as a person and what I value in my life. And maybe, and it's almost like, everyone was like, oh, that's good for you. And then just kind of like, like there, no, don't get me wrong. There were some people that were like, thank you for sharing your story. That's really, you know, important that everyone's be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, you don't get those people anymore going, oh, you must lift because you're super lean and oh, this, that, the other. It was a very different reaction than I really expected from like a wide stance. And so I'm, I'm curious how you, how people perceive you now, now that you're not in that super lean, because people bring these things to me all the time. They go, this is what I, this is what I want to look like. This is who I want to be. And I'm like, oh, but do you, because Ugh. it's not always it's not always the man behind the curtain. Yeah. And here's the thing. Nobody gives a fuck (laughs) if I have more or less abs. And so it's like, that's the thing. And this is where, you know, this is where it's funny because when you're in it, when you're in and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that like, there may be times in your life where you want to be stricter with your food intake because you are trying to reach a certain goal. And that is fine. My responsibility as a coach is to help you do that in a way that, that hurts your relationship with food in your body the the least amount possible Mm -hmm. and to help you maintain your health to the best extent. If you come to me and tell me that you want to get down to like 10% body fat, I'm not the coach for you. Like, sorry, that's not gonna happen. But if you are looking to, like, I have a client who's lost almost 40 kilos working with me Mm. and has been able to maintain it for longer than she ever has in any, with anything else she's ever tried before. And part of that was like, yeah, she definitely had to restrict her food intake to a certain amount, but we did it in a way that was very mindful. We did it in a way that was not, um, that was not too extreme. And we did it in a way that that maintained her health. And so what has also happened, she's lost weight. She's also improved her running time. She couldn't run when we first started. Mm. She's gone up to running 10 Ks now. Uh, She was not doing any strength training. She's now doing two to three days of strength training a week. She felt horribly guilty anytime she went out to eat. She does not feel that way anymore. And so, yeah, you can definitely do these things in a way that is less, you know, less drastic and less strict and still achieve your goals. But I have to say that like me having a little bit more body fat now, nobody gives a flying fuck. (laughs) Like, and that is, that is one of those things that like in my head is like, I thought it was a big deal where I would like look at pictures of me from, you know, a couple summers ago and be like, oh my God, I was so jacked. And then like, I look at me now and I'm like, I work out way less and I, I don't like, I don't track my food anymore. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I eat, I eat pretty balanced and I eat enough, you know, enough protein. I eat a ton of veggies and fruit and whatever. Um, I'll probably have some chocolate rice cakes when this is over because they're delicious. Um, and and, and something that I've been, that I've been using as a mantra is like, your body is the least interesting thing about you. Oh, that's powerful. And I don't remember where I've heard, I, cause I've heard it now so many times and I don't, I wish I knew where it actually started, mm-hmm. but 
it's something that I can, t- I still, and I talk about practicing a lot with my clients and with the groups that I, because it's not just you learn a habit and then, and then cool, you have it. It's like, you have to keep practicing. It's like, you want to play violin. You want to be a violinist. You never stop practicing, even when you're a professional, right? Like you want to, like you learn how to read, you continue to read. It's not like you learn how to read and then you stop reading. Right. And so it's like, you continue to practice these things. And so for me, it's the continued practice of accepting my body. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, I'm not, I don't look at my body and be like, wow, I love everything about it. Like, I don't need to worry about eating healthy. Like that doesn't matter at all. I eat healthy because I like the way it feels mm-hmm. and I like the taste and I like preparing healthy food. I like how simple it is. I like how easy it is to poop. I like my energy levels. Like all of these things are things that I like about eating healthy, right? But I have to also practice with myself this, like your body is the least interesting thing about you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, last week, for example, I had a couple meals out. Uh, I had, a, oh, I had pizza. It was so good. I had a couple cookies, you know, things that people would be like, oh no, that was a cheap meal. Right. And like, I look exactly the same today that I did last week. <laughs> what? <laughs> because I continue to practice the habits that I do every day. Mm-hmm. And people might be hearing this and they're like, wow, that's, well, that's easy for you. Oh, I didn't start eating vegetables until I was 20 years old. I was a, I was a heavy smoker in college. I was, I used to have, uh, I used to drink so much that friends of mine were like, we need to get you help. Right. And so it's not like this was, it's not like I was like a skinny kid growing up or like always fit or always healthy. No, uh, I definitely was not, but little by little changing your habits, a tiny little bit every single day, you end up going real far, but you have to keep practicing. I love that. You definitely have to keep practicing. That's probably, I think I prefer the word practice almost even to habit because I feel like it, habit feels something like something that just exists and that you just, you just do almost without thinking. And whereas a practice requires um, a mindful repetition. And so that's, I prefer practice, but I, I'm also kind of curious as we, because we get close to the close here um, because you have more amazing clients to go and work with. Uh, we've talked a lot about self-compassion as a practice, about self-compassion, psychology, change, practices, habits, all these things. And something we've touched on and then come back to several times is identity. So with your personal journey, everything that you've worked on, all the practices that you, we know one identity you said earlier is I'm an exerciser. When people are starting on this self-compassion journey and they're doing self-reflection and they're saying, who am I? Where am I now? What do I want to be? What's keeping me from doing, doing and being? Um, and they're, they're working on that. Who would you say that you are? Like, what would your identity be that you would tell people? Uh, who, who am I? Ooh, this is a really good question. Um, I'm someone that, that respects the way that I feel and the way that I want to feel. And so when I look at, for example, why do I do certain things? Like, why do I go to bed early? I go to bed early because I really like sleep. And why do I really like sleep? Because that way I feel like I have the energy to do everything that I want to do in a day. Right. And so I go to bed early. I wake up early. Sometimes it's not easy, but I just do it. Right. I think that one of the things that holds people back a lot is overthinking and looking for like the ab, like the best way to do something. 
Yeah. And, and I think that they're, you know, the best way to do something is going to be different for every single person. And this is where, so I actually just did. And if anybody that's listening to this wants the replay of this, I did a, a group call that I recorded um, on like, how do you actually figure out what is like, what work quote unquote works for you? Cause you hear people throwing this around all the time. Like, Oh, just do what works for you. Like, right. Oh, just find what works for you. People are like, I don't know how to do that. Right. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> and so I actually did, um, an hour long session, uh, with, you know, on that. So if anybody's listening and wants that, send me a DM, DM on Instagram, I'll send you the the replay so you can check that out. Um, and actually criteria to understand like, how does something, how do you know if something actually works for you? And mm -hmm. it was like talking about biofeedback markers, um, talking about like mental health markers. And, and so when I think about, you know, who am I? I think about what I wanna feel like and what do I, what do I wanna be in the world? And so I wanna be someone, or I, I am someone, I've always been someone that's curious, right? And so how did I transform that into kind of this whole health journey is like, I am now, if you look at my bookshelf, it is just filled with psychology, nutrition, uh, hormones, uh, you know, uh, books on how, your period, like it's just full of books like that. And so I constantly am reading something. I'm constantly reading one fiction book and one, uh, and at least one nonfiction book. And so I'm a curious person. So how does that play out for different people? Like you may be a curious person and the way that you're curious is you, you know, watch a lot of Netflix because you're curious about, you know, how, I don't know, a million things on Netflix. That's not how it played out for me. And that's by design because yeah, I love watching Netflix, but it's not, it doesn't take me towards the kind of person that I want to be and reading does. Mm -hmm. And so that for, for some people might be more difficult but it's looking at like you, you're like innate who you are. Yes, you can change it, but you, you can also work with it. Mm. It's like if you're a person that you're like, I'm no, I'm naturally lazy. Like you're probably not naturally lazy. You just haven't figured out what's really motivating to you yet. Mm. You haven't figured out what you like. Like if you're like, well, I hate going to the gym. Like you probably don't hate going to the gym. You probably just don't like the type of exercise that you've picked. Or, you know, you say like, oh, I hate, like I hate running. That doesn't mean you hate exercise. Right. Like there's a million other types of exercise or people are like, oh, I hate vegetables. And, you know, I hear this a lot. Like, I don't, you know, I don't like eating vegetables. I'm, I'm not a healthy eater. I don't really like healthy food. And, and, uh, and that one, you know, we want to look at like the language behind it, but also it's like, what does healthy food mean to you? Mm -hmm. Because if you're, if you're expressing that, like, I don't like healthy food because healthy food to you is like iceberg lettuce and non-fat dressing Black. and like, <laughs> chicken breasts, it's like, well, then I'm not, I'm not a healthy eater either. That sounds disgusting. But if your idea of healthy eating is, is eating a variety of different foods and you're actually making the effort to figure out how to cook them in ways that you like, or even you, you don't like healthy eating can be like, you pick up a rotisserie chicken, a bag, you know, a bag of salad mix, which they have amazing salad mixes at grocery stores these days. And then you add a little bit of like vinegar or even some hum hummus is such an amazing salad dressing. Like there is a healthy meal right there that like you didn't have to do anything, right? And you just tear the chicken up. That's it. Just throw it in there. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, it, wow, we need to do another one because we, we need to get into the stories that we tell ourselves. Because oh, I think yeah. we touched on this kind of throughout this whole thing is like this, you know, the, the negative self-talk comes from these stories that we tell ourselves. It's like, I'm not this, or I am this, or I can't do this. And so this is where that mindset piece comes in is like, what if you could? 
Right. Like what? And, and so I actually proposed this to one of the groups that I'm putting together now. And I, I have to run because I'm fine in a second, but I'm just going to like drop this bomb and then like run away. So um, they'll bring you back for like part three. Right. You're like, we'll start. Yeah, I, so I, I, I like singly, I'm like, Ooh, we have to do it. <laughs> I pose this to the, one of the groups that I'm running right now. And I was like, and I was like, when you hear this story coming out, first of all, I help, I guided them to kind of help understand what the stories are that they tell themselves. And then I was like, when you hear that story coming up, I want you to just ask yourself the question, what if the opposite were true? Right? Because if you're, here's one of the girls that I'm working with is like, I hate to cook. I'm like, cool. How would you act if the opposite of that were true? She was like, because she was like, well, I never have food in my fridge. You open my fridge, it's totally empty. I get takeout all the time because I hate to cook. And I was like, okay, how would you act if the opposite were true? And she was like, well, I would go grocery shopping. And I was like, cool, start there. That's it. And she like, she's been sending these amazing photos of this food that she's been eating. And she's like super excited with all the colors that are in her fridge. And it's like, wow, we just broke through that story just by asking ourselves, what if the opposite were true? Oh my God. I love that so much. That is, that's probably like one of the most, I mean, you said a lot of great things in this episode and also in the last one, I think that's like mic drop right there. Just like walk away. Okay. Everybody start, start asking yourselves, like, what are the stories you tell yourselves? And then what, what if the opposite was true? Because it's an extremely powerful exercise. And one that surprisingly enough, not, and also not surprising because psychology, right. Um, that for my anxiety, my therapist has me work with, right. Like um, go worst case scenario, natural, right? I can go worst case scenario all day with you, like apocalypse, full thing, asteroids hitting the earth. Um, and then the other side of that is what's the best case scenario? Like what's the absolute best thing that could happen and working with that and going, okay, the best thing that could happen is this. And she's like, cool. Now, you know, and you can expect both. And like, probably somewhere in the middle is what's going to happen. And that was like a game changer for me. So I love this. What if the opposite were true? Great question to end on for you guys today and to really think about and reflect. If you haven't listened to part one, go back um, an episode and start there and listen to that great things to do in that episode as well. Jillian is absolutely amazing and is always putting great and funny content out on social media, particularly Instagram, I think is where she pretty much hangs out. And that is Bite Size Nutri. That's going to be linked in the show notes. And don't forget to hit her up because I am personally going to hit her up and be like, I want to watch that hour long discussion on how do you know if something works for you? Because I think that's an incredibly important question and love that she has frameworks for you guys to work for with that as well. Jillian, you are absolutely amazing. Can't wait to do a part three and dig into the stories we tell ourselves now. It's You're like, amazing. It's <laughs> I can't this wait to do like, that. This is so great to be able to connect with people all over the world. And just, I feel like Partly, like I haven't seen as many people in person recently, but I've made so many amazing friends in so many like different corners of the world. So thank you yes. so much. You're yes, amazing. Yes, absolutely. And as a quick reminder, she has her own podcast of awesomeness. Um, the Be Well Cartel. Be well Cartel. And I don't know why I keep like pausing there. I'm like, I just keep wanting to call it like Jillian. Okay, Cartel. I'm going to send you all the episodes and you'll binge, binge listen to them and then you'll remember us. I just want to keep calling it Jillian's cartel. And I'm like, that's probably not what she's going for. Yeah, that works. It works. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, you guys, as always, light and love on your wellness journey. Go out and start asking yourselves 
self-reflection questions and practicing self-compassion. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. And we'll see you next time on What in the Wellness. And Jillian will be back soon, right? Jillian, any last words for our listeners today? No, thank you for listening. I'm sorry I word vomited all over you. If you want me to explain anything in any more detail, actually, even if you don't want me to explain anything in any more detail, send me a DM on Instagram or check me out on Clubhouse. You can hear a lot more of my word vomit on Clubhouse um, (laughs) at least once a week. And just thank you for listening. Thank you, Ansley, for having me. It's just so great to get to connect. It is. It is in our in our internet international internet world that we that we live in. So um, it's been it's been a pleasure as always. You're awesome. Great fun. Can't wait to finally hang out in person and eat some delicious food together one day soon. <laughs> It'll be awesome. All right, you guys. We'll see you next time on What in the Wellness. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening today. If you're interested in being a sponsor or a patron of this podcast to help us develop more resources and get more exciting things out into the world about the global perspective on integrative wellness and health, please feel free to reach out via email or message. And I look forward to seeing you and the new subscribers that you're going to bring to the podcast as we go along on this journey. Thank you so much for being here and I wish you all the best and light and love as you continue throughout your day today.